Thank you, President Cush, for the invitation to speak here. Uh, Karen and I are grateful to be here. This is a wonderful setting, great student body. And I'm grateful for the music, too. I think music is a wonderful way to bring inspiration, bring the spirit into a meeting. I'm glad that we sang about the Book of Mormon to begin the meeting. 190 years ago, last Friday, Joseph Smith obtained the plates from which the Book of Mormon was translated. When he received the plates, he also received a charge that, quote, I should be responsible for them, that if I should let them go carelessly or through any neglect of mine, I should be cut off, but that if I should use all my endeavors to preserve them until he should call for them, that they should be protected. The Prophet Joseph Smith had a unique responsibility uh, in connection with the Book of Mormon. None of us can fully know the weight of that responsibility. But as I read those words, I thought, can we apply some of the counsel Joseph received from Moroni to our approach to the Book of Mormon? Am I neglecting the Book of Mormon or other standard works? Am I being careless about them? Uh, am I using all my endeavors to protect them in my mind and heart? If we endeavor to instill their doctrines in our lives, can we help preserve the scriptures in, in a measure and help them uh, influence future generations? I'm not so far removed from my college experience, brothers and sisters, that I don't remember how stressful it could be. <clears throat> I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, the first semester after I returned from my mission, I was taking an accounting class I found very difficult. I was taking a class in my major area that was fascinating but very challenging. I was taking the uh, German course for return missionaries, and the grade I got there would determine the grade I got for 15 credit hours and would have a huge influence on whether I could attend law school or not. I was feeling weighed down. Uh, I didn't know if I had the smarts or the energy to succeed. I felt I was treading water, and I was concerned that I might go under, at least academically and emotionally. Fortunately, I had kept studying the Book of Mormon after I returned from my mission. I, I came across the story of uh, the people of Alma and Amulon. Amulon put tasks on the people of Alma and taskmasters over them. We read that the afflictions of the people of Alma were so great that they cried mightily to God. Amulon commanded them to stop praying and threatened to put to death anyone who did pray. Alma and his people did not pray vocally, but they poured out their hearts to God, and it says that God knew the thoughts of their hearts. And here's what caught my attention. It says, the, Lord, the voice of the Lord came to the people and told them, Lift up your heads and be of good comfort. I will ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them on your backs. And this will I do, that you may stand as a witness for me hereafter. The burdens which were laid on Alma and his people were made light, and the Lord did strengthen them that they could bear up with ease, the scriptural account said, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to the will of the Lord. If the Lord could ease the burdens of the people of Alma, perhaps he could ease my emotional and academic burdens. I prayed for that. Over the coming days, my burdens were eased. Uh, I no longer felt in over my head. I had a great experience that semester. I got better grades than I expected to. That was also the semester when I met Karen. After the people of Alma escaped, we were told they poured out their thanks to God because He had been merciful to them and eased their burdens and delivered them. And it says that they knew that none else could deliver them but their God. I knew it was the Lord who would ease my burdens, and I will always be grateful to Him for lifting them. 
When I was invited to speak, uh, it was mentioned that I could select a message based on my life lessons learned or a gospel topic I'm passionate about. I'd like to share some experiences. Many years ago, I was skimming through a book, uh, a compilation of talks on excellence. Uh, the title of one chapter by Elder Bruce C. Haven caught my attention. It was entitled, Two Cheers for Excellence. I was intrigued by the idea that a worthy and desirable principle could be carried to an extreme. Goals help us in striving for perfection. Goals must be important because Heavenly Father has a clear goal to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. However, I also believe that our commitment to goals must be tempered to allow room for the Lord in His infinite wisdom to send us in a different direction, a direction that will bless our lives and perhaps allow us to bless other people's lives to a greater extent than if we had achieved all of our goals. In pursuing our plans, the overriding goal should be that our plan will align with Heavenly Father's plan for our lives. Elder Ballard gave a wonderful general conference talk last April entitled Return and Receive. He pointed out that goal-setting is essentially beginning with the end in mind, and then he bore this witness. There is no greater goal in mortality than to live eternally with our Heavenly Father and our beloved Savior. But it is more than just our goal. It is also their goal. We are their work. Our glory is their glory. More than anything else, they want us to come home to return and receive happiness in their presence. I thought for a time about entitling my talk, Two Cheers for Goal Setting. So why two instead of three? I hope no one will feel that my talk undercuts the value of goal setting. I think it's obvious that there's great temporal and spiritual value in setting goals. But just as Elder Hafen had some reservations about a full throttle pursuit of excellence, we need to recognize that if we take a no, uh, take no prisoners approach to goal setting, that we may lose sight of other important purposes in our lives here. Our primary goal is to follow God and be open to experiences that He may have uh, in mind for us that will enlarge our souls and help prepare us to return to Him. There's a sobering quote I read years ago by President Packer that I've thought about many times since then. He said, it is the misapprehension of most people that if you are good, really good at what you do, you will eventually be both widely known and well compensated. The world seems to work on that premise. The premise is false. President Packer said, it is not true. You need not be either rich or hold high position to be completely successful and truly happy. The choice of life is not between fame and obscurity, nor is the choice between wealth and poverty. The choice is between good and evil. That is a very different matter indeed. We're told in the Epistle to the Romans that all things will work together for the, uh, to good for them that love God. But working together for our good is different from things working together according to our best laid plans. God is more interested in our development, in our growth, and in our becoming who He wants us to become than in our short-term success. So working for our good, working together for our good, might include tests, disappointments, afflictions, frustrated goals, and seeming detours. My life has been blessed as the Lord redirected my path at times. I know it's risky to generalize about lessons, though I heard someone observe wryly that all Indians walk single file. At least the one I saw did. When I left on my mission, I hadn't done much goal setting. I wanted to serve a mission and I wanted to get a college degree. I thought I might be a doctor, but I really didn't have very definite plans. A missionary who arrived in our mission several months after I did had a very impressive goal. He wanted to be the President of the United States. That was not just a hope, that was his goal. 
and he knew the year he would run, and he had specific ideas about the platform that he would run on. I was so impressed that he thought that through at that stage of his life. But as we know, only so many people can become president of the United States. I don't know where this missionary is now. He was bright. He was hardworking. He was a leader. So I would not have been surprised if he'd run for the presidency. But as far as I know, he never did. But I'm confident that he's making great contributions in some other area. I'm not saying we shouldn't make grand plans. I love the proverb which says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. But I think it's good for someone in your stage of life to realize that events beyond our control can change our plans. More importantly, the Lord can alter our plans. This has certainly been true in my life. I plan to talk about the major changes in my life, things that happened that I never dreamed would happen in my life. But on reflection, I thought it would be more interesting for you to hear about my father's career path. He received his bachelor's and master's degree in political science. He ended up working in Washington, D.C. in the intelligence community for a time. A few years later, he worked as a legislative assistant for the senator from the state of Utah. At that point, he, wanted, he decided he wanted to pursue a different career path. He had a few offers, some of them back in the Washington, D.C. area, and one to become an assistant dean of students at the University of Utah. That offer at the University of Utah didn't interest him much, but my mom encouraged him to take that job. She said, she said you might be able to influence young people. He kind of scoffed at that. He, he said, well, my job's going to be writing press releases for the most part. How am I going to influence students? But he realized that my mother was operating on a spiritual impression, and sometimes those impressions are hard to describe logically. So he came to the University of Utah. He eventually became the dean of students there and eventually the executive vice president. After serving in that capacity for a time, he was asked to serve as a church commissioner of education. So as you think about it, in college, as a political science major, or even in the first few years of his career after college, do you think he thought he would spend most of his career in education? Had he received a degree in educational administration? No. He made plans, he set goals, and then he was willing to adjust his plans if other opportunities were there or if he had spiritual impressions that the Lord had something else in mind for him. While he was serving as Commissioner of Education, some very influential people here in Utah strongly urged him to run for the United States Senate. There was a good chance he could have won, and that's not just me, that's other people who would say that. But after thinking about it and praying carefully about it, he decided that that wasn't what he felt he should do. About a year and a half after that decision, he was called as a general authority, which I think established that that wasn't what he was supposed to do. Now, you might think his situation is unusual, and there are things that are unusual about it. But about six weeks ago, I was sitting in a high priest uh, class, and the instructor was teaching from that talk of Elder Ballard's that I quoted from. I was already thinking that I might talk here a little bit about goals and about the paths that our life takes us down. So I was fascinated to hear the comments of two men in the high priest group. A man who is now a dean of a college at one of the major state universities here described what he's doing now as a complete accident. When he was younger, he ran for federal office, which was his life's dream, but lost. He said, the goal that I particularly sought for is one I did not achieve, but other opportunities came up that have been rewarding. Another brother, a respected federal judge now, said, I never had a plan to become a federal judge. But he practiced law, he was good at it, and when an opening for a judgeship came up, he applied and was confirmed. But it was not in his life's plan. 
However, the wise instructor in this high priest group commenting on the changes in their plans was quick to point out that even though their lives took a different turn than they'd planned, they still needed to prepare. He said, no judge was appointed who did not graduate from law school. No doctors are admitted to practice medicine who have not graduated from medical school, passed the boards, and had their residency. The college dean that I mentioned would not be in that position if he had not uh, obtained a graduate degree. I think some of us, as college students, I think I did that when I was at that stage, sweat bullets over what to major in and what their first job will be, thinking that that will set their career for their entire life. In today's society, that may be true, but perhaps not. It wasn't true for me. But we have to plan. We can't wait for a lightning bolt to light our career path without doing our homework. But we should make our goals knowing that the Lord may steer us in a different direction. Decisions about goals, as you know, and about education are very difficult. I remember a few years ago, I received a job offer. It was at an institution that I loved. It was in a place that I knew I could be happy living. I struggled with that decision. I remember talking to my father. Because of my respect for his wisdom and his calling, I hoped he might actually make the decision for me. That's what a great example of self-reliance. Uh, instead, he gave, me example, he gave me advice not about what the decision should be, but about how to make the decision. He said, list the pluses and minuses of each option, review them, think about it, and pray for guidance. That's similar to the scriptural description that the Lord will tell us in our minds and in our hearts. That's, so that's what I try to do. Let me just mention a few principles uh, that have come to mind as I reflect on the course of my life. Some things are matters of principle and some are matters of preference, and one of the challenges of life is to decide whether a certain decision is a matter of preference or of principle. Some things matter to the Lord very much and other things may not. Whether we build a, a cabin that's a Mediterranean style or A-frame probably doesn't matter to Him. The Lord often expects us to show initiative and not wait for guidance. I thought about some of my heroes in the Book of Mormon and whether they made their decisions as a result of careful planning or were based on clear divine guidance. And I, th I think the answer is yes. It's both of them. When Nephi was asked to obtain the brass plates, he was required to show considerable initiative. But when the Lord instructed him to build a ship, he apparently gave Nephi fairly detailed instructions. Captain Moroni, who was re incredibly resourceful in building fortifications, providing armor, and winning battles by strategy, also asked, sent men to, to Alma to ask him where his army should go to defend themselves against the Lamanites. Making career decisions, as you know, requires faith. I love the experience President Packer relates. He said, shortly after I was called as a general authority, I went to Elder, Elder Harold B. Lee for counsel. He listened carefully to my problem and suggested that I see President David O. McKay. President McKay counseled me as to the direction I should go. I was very willing to be obedient, but saw no way possible for me to do as he had counseled. I returned to Elder Lee and told him I saw no way to move in the direction I was counseled to go. He said, uh, this is Harold Bailey now. The problem with you is that you want to see the end from the beginning. I replied that I'd at least like to see a step or two ahead. Then, President Packer said, came the lesson of a lifetime. You must learn to walk to the edge of the light and then a few steps into the darkness. Then the light will appear and show the way before you. 
skipping a little bit here, the, the, the guidance will often be subtle. Sometimes, as you know, we'll get dramatic spiritual guidance, but in my experience and reading some of the things that the brethren have said, more often it's subtle guidance, not dramatic guidance. The guidance we, may, we get may not be apparent at the time. It may be apparent in hindsight. I remember talking to my father about patriarchal blessings when I was a young father. I had a decision to make, and I wanted my, my patriarchal blessing to help me make that decision. But he said, sometimes patriarchal blessings make more sense in hindsight than prospectively. That wasn't what I wanted to hear, but I have found that that principle is often true. The, the guidance we get comes on the Lord's timetable, not ours. That can be frustrating, but it's a true principle. We cannot force spiritual things. What do we do if we can't, if we've tried and we can't get the guidance we want to get? I have been given hope by something Elder Richard G. Scott said. So when you are living worthily and your choice is consistent with the Savior's teachings and you need to act, proceed with trust. As you are sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit, one of two things will certainly occur at the appropriate time. Either the stupor of thought will come, indicating an improper choice, or the peace or burning in the bosom will be felt, confirming that your choice was correct. When you are living righteously and acting with trust, God will not let you proceed too far without a warning impression if you made the wrong decision. One thing I want to share uh, before I concluded my testimony is that our experiences in life prepare us for callings later in life or even other job opportunities later in life. And I'd love to go into more detail, but let me just bear witness that that's the case. The experiences that you are having now and the experiences that you are having later in life will bless your life later on and will help you be a more effective servant. Um, I had the great fortune to work at Desert Book Company and work on books that were doctrinal and historical in nature. Often serving as a mission president, I would have something come to mind in counseling a missionary or in preparing for his own conference, things that I'd read or heard years ago, things I thought I'd forgotten. Now, we can't make that happen with the flick of a switch, but I want to tell you and bear witness that the Holy Ghost's ability to bring things to our remembrance is a very real gift. There's a scripture that I read just recently, one of those, I'm sure you've had that experience where you've read it a number of times before but hadn't noticed it. This is in Psalm 73, verse 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. I love that verse. Isn't that a wonderful description of what you and I would like to have happen in our lives, that we'll get his guidance and eventually return to his glory? In this talk that Elder Ballard mentioned, he left us this challenge. He said, during the coming weeks, find time to review your life's goals and your plans and make sure they align with our Heavenly Father's great plan for our happiness. If you need to repent and change, Elder Ballard said, then consider doing so now. Take the time to prayerfully think about what adjustments are needed to help you keep your eyes single to the glory of God. I bear witness, brothers and sisters, that God is merciful. I am amazed at the gifts that He has given us to help us stay on the path back to His presence. Uh, let me just list some of those by way of testimony. We have been given the treasure trove of the Holy Scriptures. 
The gospel is inexhaustible, brothers and sisters, and the scriptures are inexhaustible. We will never understand everything there is to be understood in the scriptures. The remarkable gift of prayer that we've heard about today, the incomparable gift of the Holy Ghost, the guarantee of safety through following the counsel of living prophets, the blessing of counsel from other inspired leaders and from friends and parents, common sense. President Packer pointed out that even with all the wonderful gifts we have, he said Latter-day Saints are not exempt from using common sense. It's a good reminder. Guidance from our patriarchal blessings, which President Monson has called our personal liahona. And the compelling evidence, if we have eyes to see, of the rich blessings we receive from following, from keeping the commandments. I bear my witness, brothers and sisters, that the gospel is true. If we read, if we stay in contact with our Heavenly Father through many of these resources I've just named, we will get the guidance we need when it's time for us to receive the guidance. I love the scriptures. I love modern prophets. I am so grateful for the guidance that we get from them and grateful that we have General Conference coming up. I know the gift of the Holy Ghost is real. We are so blessed. Thanksgiving is coming up in several weeks, and we have so much to be grateful for. And I will always bless our Heavenly Father for the rich ways that He has guided and blessed my life. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.